When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. on everybody the no huddle show i'm elliot and unlike last time when i was riding solo due to the craziness of the 24 hours matt is back mac what's going on elliot how about this there's never any rest in this business never any rest with this team i'm sitting there on the tarmac yep. in milwaukee i'm walking across the sky bridge and we hear news that the eagles traded jordan that Matthews. must have been a, a terrible day. feeling i hate when i'm somewhere in news breaks and i can't write about it or anything so yeah and of course our bosses tell me hey can you shoot a video giving your reaction and i said well i'm kind of in the middle of an airport let me find a you know quiet terminal right. somewhere and we got all that taken care of but certainly a whirlwind couple of days for well, did the you, team did you and tell him you couldn't uh, you couldn't shoot the video because your reaction to it was bad or what was the, uh, <laughs> is that what you told him i ended right up now? shooting the video and it did some great numbers so yeah, there, there you, you go. go all right well, we have plenty to get into um as i said last time it was just me giving my reaction to the jordan Matthews, Ronald Darby trade, but now we have Matt, and he has a different take on it, so I look forward to debating that. Um, so before we get into that, and also just talk about an eventful few days of practice, too. I mean, Alshon's back. We've now got a chance to look at Darby, um, and some of the receivers that, with Matthews gone, are going to have to step up. And in my opinion, I think this actually might be something we agree on. Uh, not a concerning few days from Wentz, but not his best work over the past few days. So plenty to get into, and then we'll talk a little bit about the uh, Bills game this upcoming Thursday. Um, but before we get into that, as always, you guys should go subscribe. I, a lot of you guys have been listening um, in your browser. I see all the plays. I really appreciate it. But if you subscribe, you get the episode quicker, and it goes right to your phone whenever we release it. So you can subscribe to us on a number of platforms. Platforms. We're on iTunes. We're on Stitcher Radio, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Google Play, and Spreaker. So you can go find us there and subscribe. And once you do, leave us those reviews. I've been really enjoying all the reviews recently, even that one that only gave us three stars and said I was a hater, which is fine. You don't have to agree with my opinion. But uh, Five I've, stars are better, though. Yeah, five we stars like are better. We like the five-star yeah. reviews. Yeah, they put, help. Put five stars and then call me a troll. Call me a five-star <laughs> troll. There we go. And then also, if you're listening on YouTube, please give us a thumbs up. Uh, I asked you guys to do it last time, and we saw like a 10% – uh, 10 times increase to what we normally get. So I do appreciate that. All right, cool. So subscribe, like us, give us those five-star reviews, all that stuff. Let's talk about Ronald Darby because my opinion on him well, – all right, so my initial opinion on him when I first heard of the trade, I didn't like the trade, and we can discuss why in a little bit. Um, when you read about Ronald Darby, my concerns with him were twofold. One – well, actually, really just onefold. One is that he had a bad last year after a strong rookie year. And so to me, that's concerning. I understand that a lot of people have said in Buffalo – you know, what happened, there was a defensive scheme change and all those things. Peter King wrote this morning that he didn't buy into the system. I don't know if you want to consider that a red flag or not, but that's what Peter King wrote. So for me to ha see him have a bad year after his rookie year was concerning. But Matt, why did you like the trade initially? Yeah, Elliot, I love the trade for a couple of reasons. Number one, 
it was becoming pretty evident that the Eagles had no interest in bringing Jordan Matthews back. And we yeah. talked about that ever since the first week of training camp on the podcast. So there's number one. They, they, he wasn't coming back. Number two, I think the Eagles went through their evaluations this spring of Alshon Jeffrey, Torrey Smith, the guys they brought in here through the draft, Matt Collins, et cetera. And they felt comfortable enough moving on from Jordan Matthews. And oh, by the way, they landed a 23-year-old true number one cornerback with potentially okay. elite cover skills filled your biggest need and I think most of all you provided some roster balance because you took a wide receiver spot which was very deep and you added an immediate starter who you can grow with a young cornerback crop and I think that Howie Roseman you're going to disagree with me on this right. you took one asset and you added a tremendous so, player at your biggest week. so I actually don't disagree with as much of that as you would think because where I disagree with the Eagles is on the evaluation of Jordan Matthews I understand that once you decide you're not going to re-sign him, I get trading him. Now, my argument would be trading him now. See, so the first thing I disagree with you is, one, calling Ronald Darby a legit true number one I think is is pretty premature. And I'm not saying that as a knock to Darby. I'm just saying there's only, you know, 10 or 15 legitimate number one cornerbacks in this league. Kind of like my thing with Alshon. Alshon's a very good receiver. You know, I I just think that – the classification for being a legit elite player at your position is high. So I think Darby has a good player. But again, and I got a lot of flack for this when I tweeted it after the trade. People love to hate on Pro Football Focus, which I'll never get. But because Pro Football Focus has watched more Ronald Darby than probably sure. anybody listening to this podcast and us combined. But so last year they had Ronald Darby rated just below Nolan Carroll in terms of coverage. Now, is that the end all be all? Does that tell the complete story of Darby's year last year? No, it doesn't. But I do think it shows that he did struggle last year because I think me and you would agree. Although, I think we're probably a little higher on Nolan Carroll than fans are. But I think fans would agree Nolan Carroll was not good last year. So, Ronald Darby wasn't good last year. Now, what I will say is, off of what I, what I do with, agree with you on is, he does have elite skills. And I think we've really seen that the past few days in camp. I agree. And especially on, on Monday, which was my first chance to really get a look at him because I was uh-huh. off over the weekend. But there was a play against Matt Collins in one-on-one. And those one-on-one drills are designed for the wide receiver to get the job done. And yep. Darby had tremendous hand placement and coverage. He was behind Hollins. He jumped the route and maintained his position the entire time, intercepted the pass, got both feet down. And it was just one of those plays where you look at it and you say, that's an element that this team has lacked for the last two years because it was great ball skills. He read Carson Wentz's eyes. It was a well-thrown ball, but Darby made a heck of a play. Mm. And you just also look at what he did against Alshon Jeffrey. And I don't think it's surprising that Jeffrey was only targeted by your account today four times. And he made three catches, but they weren't like circus catches. They, they, They were catches that were made on dink and dunk routes over the middle because Darby had blanket coverage on him all day. Now, I mean, maybe that's a red flag for Alshon. Who knows? But, I mean, regardless, <laughs> the one thing I will – the one thing I absolutely agree is the thing Darby brings to this unit that they needed was speed. They had a very slow slow collection of cornerbacks. I mean, yep. I like Jalen Mills. I think we both are encouraged by what we've seen from Rasul Douglas at times. But speed is not the game of either of those players. Uh, Sidney Jones had decent speed before the Achilles injury. Obviously, who knows coming back what, how, what impact that will have. But um, – no, I mean, Darby absolutely brings speed, and you, you can really see it. Like you said, receiver – I mean, cornerbacks don't get interceptions in one-on-one drills. Right. It just rarely happens. I think it's happened twice all camp. We probably watch him run that drill every day, and I think it was off Dane Evans. So for anybody to get an interception in that is incredibly impressive. And look, I can hate I, – I can say I don't like the trade, and I still don't, 
But the secondary is definitely better now. I mean, there's there's absolutely no denying that. Ronald Darby is the best cornerback on this team, and he's going to help. I mean, I'll put it this way. You took a slot receiver at arguably your you, deepest position on the roster to bring in a number one cornerback at your biggest position but, of need. But my so question, help, me, help me through okay. why you don't like the trade, and I'll try to get you across the all finish line. All right, here we line. go. Because first of all, here. calling Jordan Matthews a slot receiver, I feel like you're doing that in a bit of a diminishing way. What you should be calling him is their most productive receiver over the past three years. And at well, least, Zach Ertz was their most productive receiver last year. Okay, I, fine. That's fine. Among the receiver positions. But you're right. No, Zach Ertz was. But he was their number two wide receiver behind Alshon, even if he was in the slot. And so my argument, again... I agree with the idea of trading a player if you know you're not going to re-sign him because you get something right. for him. I agree with that. And landing Darby for a guy you weren't going to re-sign. I mean, we haven't mentioned they gave up the third-round pick as well, which is a pretty considerable asset, and we'll talk about that a little later. But turning Jordan Matthews into Ronald Darby when you didn't like Jordan Matthews is, in that way, a good trade because you're getting rid of a guy you didn't want. I disagree with that evaluation, but you're getting rid of a guy you didn't want for a 23-year-old cornerback who, even though he's coming off a bad year, has still shown the ability to be an elite player. Now, look, the Eagles might have wanted to bring Jordan Matthews back. I, I, I don't think that they didn't like Jordan Matthews. I think that they saw down the line that they're going to need to re-sign Alshon Jeffrey. They're going to need to re-sign Tim Jernigan. You're looking at a quarterback contract in the next two years or so for Carson Wentz, and Jordan Matthews is going to command $10 million for a receiver, See, whether uh, $10 million a year minimum for a guy who the evaluation on him by a lot of professional scouts and people who, you know, talent evaluate and all of those things, view him, whether you do or not, strictly as a slot receiver. And I think that it, they saw an opportunity to take that asset and flip it for a player who walks in and automatically elevates the play of their biggest weakness. Right, but see, that that's one of the things I think, there's a lot of layers of Jordan Matthews sure. thing, and I don't think he would he would mind me saying this, but so prior to him being traded, me and him were talking in the locker room and he was, you know, we're talking about contracts and money and all that. And he says like, and again, he's saying this, but I believe him, you know, he, he's not out there looking for a massive deal. Like he has money. He feels financially set. So I agree with you that on the open market, Jordan Matthews with his stats is worth $10 million. But I think it's, it's interesting that a lot of Eagles fans say like, all right, we got to get rid of him because you weren't able to resign him. Like, we don't know what Jordan Matthews would have asked for. And it doesn't sound like the Eagles and him, his camp really had any considerable talk. So although I agree, like, I see your point. They have a lot of one-year guys. I mean, we've had the Alshon versus Jordan Matthews debate to death, so we don't have to get back into that. But I just think this idea of criticizing Jordan and diminishing what he's accomplished because of what he might get as a, as a free agent is is slightly flawed logic just because we don't know what what he would have gotten. I'm, I'm not criticizing him, right. but I think that his skill set lends him to being more of a slot receiver. And I think that if you look at what wins and what teams compete for championships, the teams that have elite cornerback play, that's always going to be a higher priority than a slot receiver when you have somebody like Alshon Jeffrey, somebody like Torrey Smith, and some young guys that you're trying to groom behind them. Right, but the, the other thing is, so as much as I've said I understand the logic behind it, one thing I disagree is, like, and we maybe we can transition into receivers a little bit with this. You, you, that was the other thing I disagreed with that you said um, when you were first talking about the trade. The Eagles have a very deep receiving core. So... Now that Jordan Matthews is gone, I mean, Jordan Matthews was Carson Wentz's most reliable, at least I think in Wentz's eyes, outside of Earth. And we're just sure. talking about the receivers. Yep. He liked throwing the ball to Matthews. I, mean, no I, doubt. I, I remember sitting there with you recording the podcast at Lambeau Field, and we were talking about how you know, Matthews had four of had three of Wentz's four completions that night, one on a big third down and one on a big fourth down. So, yeah, I mean, if you weren't going to re-sign Matthews, I get it. But you've said it, and you said it early on this offseason. All this year, 
is about making sure Carson Wentz improves and no feels doubt. and feels comfortable. And I just think now with with Jordan Matthews gone, that is that that's an issue because his his first of all. Let's talk about this too a little bit, the emotional side of this. One second before we okay, get to yeah, the emotional ahead, side, ahead, but the one point to that is if you bring in Ronald Darby, and let's just say that he, because by all accounts from what he's done against Mac Hollins today, what he did against Alshon Jeffrey, let's just say he winds up being their number one recor- number one cornerback, true number one corner, top 15, top Let's say he plays like he does league. as a rookie. Right. Let's okay. say he bounces all back right. to his rookie year. Now all of a sudden – in all likelihood, the defense is going to improve. Would you yep. agree with that? With an improved pass rush that we already saw against the Packers, with an improved secondary play thanks to Ronald Darby, now all of a sudden maybe Carson Wentz, instead of being having asked to throw the ball 607 times, maybe the Eagles are protecting some leads in the fourth quarter. Maybe they don't need to come from behind in the second half. Maybe instead of 607 passing attempts, that number drops down to 450 and a more reasonable number of attempts. And then Carson Wentz can develop some good habits and you still have Jeffrey. you still have Smith. You still have Ertz. And what it does too is, and I, I'd made this point on Twitter, what it, you know, losing Matthews does hurt Wentz in a lot of ways on the field. But what helps Ma- uh, what, what helps Wentz is if Ronald Darby is, you know, what he was as a rookie and what everybody thinks he can be, this team is going to be playing competitive games in December and potentially playoff games. I'm not, I'm still not ready to say they're a playoff team, but there's no denying the fact that with an in- improved secondary, this team is going to probably, I mean, it's going to be more competitive. And what is also good for Wentz's development is him playing in those big games. Him yep. playing the Giants on the road. You know, I think it's like week 14 or something like that. Playing the Raiders here. Exactly. Playing those games with playoff implications against good teams. Yep. That's going to be great experience for Wentz. So in that way, the trade does help you. But speaking of Wentz, what did you think? Um, I know you were away this past weekend, but I'm sure you saw the quotes and all that stuff. What did you think of Wentz's reaction to the trade? Um, and are you worried at all about the fact that this team did trade away the franchise player's best friend? Yeah, I think it's interesting in that regard that, of course, your best friend gets traded or your best friend moves away and you lose. He you know, goes to a different job or what have you, that it's going to have a mental impact and a psychological impact. But listen, these guys understand it's a, it's a business. Any of these guys not named Carson Wentz, they could turn up traded tomorrow. And I think that that's one of those things where, you know, it, it's a nice story that came out that Carson Wentz drove Jordan Matthews to the airport. It's a great story that those two bonded and they're going to stay in touch. And I think that Carson said all the right things about him personally. Mm-hmm. But like Howie Roseman said on the radio this morning, it's kind of like when you're in elementary school and you go over to school on a Tuesday and your best friend comes in and says, hey, my dad took a job three cities away. We're moving tomorrow. It's going to hurt. But eventually, you got to get over it and you got to move on. And I think that's what this is going to be for the next couple of and days. That, and that analogy, like, I get it. But at the same time, like, Carson Wentz isn't an elementary kid. He's the franchise player of a team that's All worth Right. He's a few. also a grown adult yeah, right, in the yeah, NFL. True. But, and again, like, players move on, right? Like, obviously, we all get that. But I do think that Jordan Matthews was probably the most popular player in the locker room, if not the most popular. No doubt. Easily top two or three. And a and, great guy, by the way. I mean, right. I, And I tweeted afterwards, you know, as much as I agree with this trade and think it's a move the Eagles had to make, that doesn't change the fact that Jordan Matthews is probably the nicest and most accommodating athlete I've ever covered. Right. And I wish him luck. And people were saying, oh, make up your mind how you feel about the trade. I can like the trade and also feel that this team trading away somebody of that stature in the locker room might take a little time for these guys to get over. And that's, that's yeah. fine. That's a natural feeling. And that's my thing. Like, and I don't think that this emotionally, this, I mean, we, 
on the field, you know, I, we'll see what impacts that has. I don't think off the field this is going to, like, ruin the season. I don't think – I think the locker room will recover. But I will say in one piece by Tim McManus from ESPN, he talked to Trey Burton, and Trey Burton was saying, you know, the locker room will recover. And then he said, well, or we might not. So I do think that people that are just completely washing away this idea of, oh, well, you know, it's like elementary school and all those things. This was, I mean, it is a big loss, I think, in that way. The players respected him. They really liked him. And like Carson Wentz said, this was his kind of welcome to the NFL moment. So I think this is something that Wentz definitely felt. And whether it's by coincidence or not, I think Wentz has not had a good three days of practice since then. He didn't look sharp today. No, pri- that much. prior to the Packers game, he was completing about 70% of his passes in uh, seven on seven and 11 on 11 drills. We're recording this on Monday. So there's been three practices. He practiced Saturday, Sunday, and Monday, two of which were really physical, hard practices. He's completing 63% of his passes. And I, and 63% is not a bad completion by percentage, percentage by any means, especially with how many, how often he goes down the field. But it is lower than 70%, and I think we can both agree on Monday he was extremely erratic with his passes. I, I totally agree, yeah. and I think part of that might be trying to get on the same page with Alshon. Part of it is, you know, look, Ronald Darby's a big upgrade at cornerback, and he made some tremendous plays today. But overthrowing the ball into the fifth row to right. Jeffrey, overthrowing Torrey Smith by four or five yards – these are the type of mistakes that Carson Wentz has made sporadically throughout the spring and summer. It just seems like it was more concentrated throughout the practice on Monday. Yeah, and I'm not I don't mean this as a shot at uh, as a shot at Darby. I don't really think that has anything to do with Wentz's throws cuz the throws that I've seen have not even been close. And one of the things that I do think is having an impact on Wentz is this team has tried to integrate Matt Collins into the first team offense much more. And the eight practices Prior to the Packers game, Hollins was targeted by Wentz nine times. In the in the three practices since then, he's been targeted 12 times. And the, only five of those passes have been complete, and one was picked off. So him and Hollins, even though they had that nice play against the Packers, and it was a very it was a very good play, him and uh, Hollins have not really been on the same page in practice. And after getting a considerable amount of work with the first team on Saturday and Sunday, Hollins was basically with the second team all day on Monday. wasn't targeted one time by uh, Wentz. So while we're on the receivers, um, yep. I wrote a piece on Monday morning on NJ.com kind of comparing last year's receivers to this year this year's receivers. And my point basically is this whole idea that the receivers are considerably upgraded from last year, I agreed with that to a certain extent when you had Matthews. But now that Matthews is gone, there's like a strong argument to be made that this receiving core, yes, Alshon is the best player the most skilled player that's been on the receiving core each of the last two years. But there are a ton of question marks on this receiving core now. So before I kind of get into my spiel, I want to hear what your thoughts are on the receivers now that Matthews is gone. I saw your story, and I credit you for the creativity and diving (laughs) into the stats for sure. But I don't know how you can look at this roster and the players that are on it, both at the top of the depth chart as well as at the bottom and say that somehow they're worse off at receiver today than they were week one last year when you had guys like Josh Huff and Doriel Green-Beckham on this roster. And Jordan Matthews was your number one receiver playing a little bit out of position Mm -hmm. solely on the outside. I mean, I I get it. The the numbers are the numbers, and part of the reason why Alshon Jeffrey's numbers are lower because he only played in eight or nine games last year, 12 games, because he got the suspension. He got suspended. That's his fault. Right. But, well, let me me say a few things. One, I'm not saying I think the receivers – 
from last year are better. I'm just saying I don't think they're considerably improved, and here's why. You say, you know, Josh Huff and Doriel Green-Beckham. Well, last year at this time, I know there was no bigger Huff fan than me, so I'm not going to say you liked Huff. But I think last year at this time, there was some optimism surrounding Doriel Green-Beckham. He had that touchdown against the Colts in the red zone. You know, I mean, everyone's talking about his, his athleticism. I just think, you know, you look at the team the now. The Titans just threw him away for a backup offensive lineman. So I, people well, were the backup excited. offensive lineman ended up being better than Doriel. I, oh, I don't disagree. I'm just saying right. at the time, the perception was you got him for a song. Now, I'd, I'd prefer that the Eagles would have had Dennis Kelly on this team this summer than, than coming into camp and, and Doriel Green-Beckham getting cut the right. day before the veterans reported. But it, it's not like Doriel Green-Beckham came in here with all kinds of potential. and. Well, okay, but can we agree in the NFL that a contract is really only worth what it is in guaranteed money? Can we agree on that? Sure. Torrey Smith got $500,000 of guaranteed money, and the 49ers let him go. So I'm not saying, look, I would, I think if this time last year, if you asked Eagles fans who would they rather have, Doriel Green-Beckham or Torrey Smith, I think it would have been a discussion. Now, obviously now it's not. Doriel's out of the league and Torrey Smith is on the Eagles roster, but Torrey Smith is coming off of a really bad year. So I guess my overall point I'm making is, yes, Alshon, Alshon has a higher ceiling than Jordan Matthews. I think you knew what you would get more from Matthews, but if you even just move past the number one spot, I think Torrey Smith now is a big question mark. And let's not forget, Nelson Aguilar now is going to play a huge part of this offense, for better or worse. He's had more passes thrown his way than any other receiver in training camp by a considerable amount. Now, obviously, part of the reason is Alshon's not playing. But regardless, Nelson Aguilar has been a huge part of this offense. I also think you're going to see more of Zach Ertz. I think you're going to see Ertz lined up in the slot a lot more. You're going to see a lot of two tight end sets with Burton lined up as a tight end, Zach Ertz in the slot. And it's really interesting when you look at Ertz's career touchdowns. He has 17 across his four NFL seasons. The Eagles just don't target him in the red zone for whatever reason. And I think if there's anybody who's primed to inherit those targets inside the 20 that used to go to Jordan Matthews, I think Ertz fills that void maybe even a little bit more than Nelson Aguilar does. And I also think that Jeffrey on the outside is going to be a guy that that's where he's going to thrive, is down there inside the 20 where Wentz can lob the ball up in the corner, go up, make the catch, and get both feet Yeah. But Ertz was on the team last year. But I think if we're – and I agree with you, Ertz could be in for a big year. But if we're just talking about the receivers that were like two through six or two, two through five, depending what you're, what we think they'll keep, they have Torrey Smith, who maybe has more – is maybe a little more dependable than Doral Green-Beckham, but is coming off of a bad year. Nelson Aguilar, who had a terrible year last year. Yep. He's not been good – he has been good over uh, – the off season, but he dropped only pass thrown his way against Green Bay, so there's that. And then you have Matt Collins, and you have Marcus Johnson, and maybe Bryce Treg slash Shelton Gibson, Greg Wardish. So among those players, look, I think Matt Collins had a very, really nice touchdown catch against the Packers, but he's a big unknown, and uh, I think he was fifth-round pick, right? Fourth or fifth-round – or no, he was a fourth, I think. But So regardless, he's a rookie. I mean, Josh Huff was a third-round pick, and maybe he was – drafted higher than probably he should have. a little have. bit of a reach. Yeah, well, now it's easy to say yeah. that now. And at the time, it was probably a bit of a reach, too. But my point is, the Eagles are still counting on guys two through five slash six that are basically either unproven or had bad years last year. And that's kind of where they were last year. So my, my thing is, you know, again, I'm higher on Jordan Matthews than you are. You're higher on Alshon than I am. And that sways my opinion a little bit. But can you 
agree slash acknowledge that from two through five, this team now does have a lot of question marks at receiver when before we thought this was a unit that was kind of like slam dunk going to help West. See, I think Torrey Smith is a really good fit for this offense, and I, I attribute a lot more of his struggles last year to playing in a system that doesn't stretch the ball downfield. Here comes downfield, the chip shot. Here comes the chip do, shot. Doesn't, doesn't stretch the ball <laughs> downfield, which we both know from Chip's time here, and he had a revolving door of terrible, uh, revolving door of terrible quarterbacks. So you bring him in here where he can run those nine routes, show off his speed a little bit, work with Carson Wentz. I think he's an upgrade over whoever was the Eagles' number two quote-unquote wide receiver last season. And I think Mac Collins has a chance to be Jordan Matthews 2.0, only a little bit faster and with a little bit better hands. Maybe in two or three years Mac Collins could be that, but I don't think he's going to be that this year. And what I'm saying is, I look, I love to do hypotheticals and project more than anybody, but what I'm saying is a lot of what you just said there, in my opinion, is projection and kind of like what you think will happen. And you very well could be right. But I'm just saying this whole idea that Wentz has like slam dunk, sure thing targets around him is not very true anymore. Now that Would you Matthews- say Alshon Jeffrey and Torrey Smith are better top two targets than Jordan Matthews and Nelson Aguilar? I would. I would agree. But okay. Jordan Matthews was going to be your number two this year. And I, I disagree. I think Torrey Smith was going to be your number two outside. But he was guy. probably going to be the top. I think He'd there was a the chance. Slot guy. I think there was a chance Matthews was going to be targeted more this year than Alshon, just because if you think of his how comfortable Wentz is with him. I'm not saying he would have finished with more yards or touchdowns, but just targets. I Maybe. think Matthews. Could and have I think been that more. Ertz slides into that role ahead of Nelson. Well, Aguilar. yeah. One thing we definitely both agree on is Ertz is going to have every opportunity to have a big year this yep. year. I mean, he's been targeted like 54 times in camp, and I think the second place among any position is in the low 30s. So he's getting a ton of luck. So my only thing is I just don't see where the short things are at receiver. So to kind of move on to some, to kind of uh, the next topic that I wanted to ask you was, now after the trade, do you think the Eagles are trying to win now, or do you think they're building for the future? Well, I mean, it's hard to say you're building for the future when you trade away your second and third round picks in the upcoming draft, but we all know Howie Roseman is a wizard come draft time in terms of acquiring picks and acquiring assets, so I I can't really close the book on them only picking one time in In the the first first, three rounds. Which is what they're currently scheduled to do. Right, but I think that there's a chance they could move and shake between now and next April, but this move screams trying to do both and I think they've straddled the line this offseason between trying to do both and Darby is a guy that you know he comes in he had a very successful rookie year one of the top cornerbacks in the league in 2015 he's going to start for you on the outside Jalen Mills is going to start for you at the other outside spot and probably Ron Brooks or Rasul Douglas in the slot so it's almost like they're they're trying to do both, which I think mm-hmm. is a flawed philosophy in its yep. own right. But, you know, this is just another move where they're trying to help Carson Wentz because a better secondary and an improved defense is really going to help a quarterback not have to put the entire team on his back and carry them, particularly against quality I, I do think Darby is one of the few moves they've made this offseason I think legitimately makes sense for in, in a way for now and the future because, one, you get a 23-year-old cornerback that if he – if he rebounds from his year last year, could be your cornerback for the next five, six, seven years. So, and he helps you this season because your secondary was such trash. And don't forget, you get Sidney Jones next year. So, right. I think Sidney Jones plays at some point late this year. I know you disagree. Well, I, if- I, I I disagree a little less more than I used to after talking to Kevin King, his college teammate. Yeah, yeah. But but even if let's say doomsday worst case scenario, Sidney Jones doesn't take a snap this year. They're a much better secondary next year with Sidney Jones, Ronald Darby, Jalen Mills, and Rasul Douglas as your top They're four secondary. than they are without Darby. Their secondary is better set up for the future than 
maybe any other position on the team besides quarterback. I mean, there's only one quarterback, so it's a little bit different. But I do think their secondary setup better for the future yep. than their receiver position is. Um, but the other thing I'll say is, and you touched on it a little bit, you know, are they building for now or are they building for the future? If you're building for the future and also trying to win now, I think you're probably going to end up doing neither. So I just think this, you know, the Darby move makes sense in, in that way for the future and now. I still think giving up Jordan Matthews, people are just assuming they're going to make up that production, but I think that's going to be a lot tougher than people think. And again, Darby's coming off a bad year. But if you're just talking about, I think now we can both agree they're what, 7-8 win team? Somewhere around there? 7-8-9, something I'll like that? I'll tell you this, and I somebody tweeted me this on Friday right after the trade. I feel a lot more comfortable thinking they can win nine games and be a wild card team today than I felt on Thursday. On Thursday okay. after the show, you and I were talking. I thought, okay, maybe seven or eight wins. After this trade and bringing in this type of a piece into your secondary – I think you and combine it with the Ezekiel Elliott suspension. Let's not throw right, yeah. you know completely discount that impact on the rest of the NFC East. I think there's a legitimate chance now the Eagles can be closer to a nine-win team than they can be a seven. Yeah, I mean, look, I think I've come around a little bit more on the deal since we started, but I'm still not ready to say Darby is Good. like. See, a, then I've done my job. There I know, you go. I know it's not going to happen overnight for you, no. but I figured if I could just you know inch you closer, we'll, we'll come back to the therapist couch again. Yep. You know, next by podcast. week five, I'll have a Darby jersey on. Yeah, exactly. But, and then you'll say you were on board all along. Yeah, right? but I will say I am not ready to say Darby is worth maybe two more wins. I mean, I think Darby's a nice piece, but what did the what have the Bills done? I just with? said they're closer to, yeah. to nine wins. Well, but I I think. After this trade, I think the amount that he helped their defense, in my opinion, is essentially even to the amount losing Matthews hurt the offense. And may, maybe I'll be wrong. Maybe you'll be wrong. We'll see. But I do think – so I'm still kind of right where I was before the trade. The, the secondary is improved, but I think the receiver position is hurt. Um, and, you know, that's – when you make a trade like that, and you it is what it is. So I'm still kind of thinking – Again, the Ezekiel Elliott thing does help. I already thought they would beat the Cowboys twice this season because I'm not as wow, big on the Cowboys. Look at you. I know, right? I'm, I hate everything about this team except I think they'll beat the NFC East one or twice. But, I mean, I'm still agreed. The division, the chances that they're of winning the division improved this week, and yep. it's because of the Ezekiel Elliott trade more than anything we just talked about over the past 29 minutes. If you'd agree with that. I th- I, well, I think they helped themselves by making the trade, and they also benefited from Zeke. I, I think the Cowboys went from being a team that could win 12 or 13 games to a team that's probably going to win nine. Yeah, I think eight or eight or nine is, is good, is, is right around where I think they're going to be at. Um, quickly, though, before we wrap this up, let's talk about uh, their game on Thursday because we're probably not going to do one of these before then. We'll have one for you right after the game like we did against the Packers for your night there and then the morning commute after. But very quickly, um, what, are you, what are you kind of looking for in this Bills game? The Stardles will probably play a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, maybe Alshon will play. I Alshon got... said today, quote-unquote, maybe we'll see. Now, with Alshon Jeffrey, you take everything he says with a grain of salt, particularly with his health. Right. But I want to see Darby out there. I want to see what he's able to do. I want to see Carson Wentz look as sharp as he did against the Packers and shrug off any notion that losing Jordan Matthews is going to doom this offense. And I want to see the running back step up. I was really disappointed with the play of LeGarrette and Danelle Pumphrey the other night, I want to see them answer the bell against the, the Bills' defense. Those are the three things that I'm going to really keep an eye on. Yeah, a few quick things. One, I would say is if Alshon wants to play, he'll play. I don't think this is going to be something where Alshon's like in the locker room fuming he's not going to get a play. If Alshon wants to play, he'll play. So Alshon said, I mean, you were there. He said he wanted to play, right? Said maybe we'll see. Okay. 
All right. Well, maybe he didn't say he said wanted he, to play. He says he wants to play. Yes. He All right. Said, well, if he wants he to play. He said, I want to play, but we'll see. All right. Well, if he wants to play, he'll be out there, in my opinion. So if he's not out there, I think we'll have our real answer on how bad Alshon wants to play. And the other thing I'll say is I am I think it'll be interesting to see Darby, too. But, you know, for all those fans out there that don't like the trade, if he doesn't look good on Thursday, I don't think that's a major red flag. He's still learning the defense. Yep. You know, it's been a crazy week for him. But, yeah, you're right. Just seeing him out there. And, again, Wentz. And I want to see the receivers. I want to see how Aguilar does. If he has another drop or two, again, I think, you know, my, my opinion that the receivers are just what they were last year, maybe a little better, is only going to be increased if you see bad receiver play from them on Thursday night. So, Thursday night will definitely be interesting. I mean, we always say the preseason, it starts, and then it gets boring at the game. What a 24 hours it was last time. So who knows what will be happening next time we have this. But like I said, we're going to have one for you guys Thursday night, and then it will probably be posted either late Thursday night or early Friday morning. Um, And again, you'll know when it's up if you subscribe. So go ahead and subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Google Play and Spreaker. And once you're subscribed, give us those five-star reviews and those likes on YouTube. We would really appreciate it. All right, man, here we go. One more game. Looking forward to the game, Elliot. Talk to you guys soon.